Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for Refresh and the D stands for Discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a best-selling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters. And I'm Don Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us turning the pages that week. Let's get started. Welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Ronnie. And I'm Dawn. And today is, sorry, it's been a while, but today is our very special end of the year episode um, of our best books of the year. So it's going to be a long one, possibly, because that's good. We had a lot of good books, right, Don? Right. Yeah. Just go get you something to drink, settle in, put your feet up. You don't have to worry about keeping track of all of these because all of them will be in the show notes. Mm -hmm. And before we kind of jump into our books, um, we did want to make a little announcement. So if you've noticed that we haven't had episodes in a couple of weeks, um, it is because things have gotten really busy and crazy in our lives. And so We've decided for right now, we are ending our regular schedule of every other week. Um, We've done this for a little over a year. We've really loved it. We've had so much fun. Um, But just because of life, we're going to now um, move to when we have something great to tell you, we will have a very special episode, (laughs) like an after school special. (laughs) That's what a very special rad reading podcast. (laughs) You sounded like a DJ there, Don. So my calling. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you so much to all of you who have listened to us this year, who have commented on posts on Facebook, who have shared your books that you've loved um, with us. We've had a great time doing this. It's been um, a highlight of many of my weeks. And I know, Dawn, you probably feel the same way. This has been so much fun. And it has been so great getting to know people who want to talk books. And all of our social media will still be up. We're not taking anything down. So don't unfollow us. I will still be posting things about our reading journals and books that we read and guiding discussions. So we're not disappearing. (laughs) We just are taking a step back because we both have some really exciting things coming up in the new year Mm -hmm. and we want to do this well when we do it. So we want to be sure that we're still providing the quality and taking advantage of these great opportunities that are coming up for us. Yes. And if you follow us on social media, we never shut up about books. So especially if you like follow my or sign up for my newsletter, if I read a great book, I always share it with my newsletter. So you'll still be hearing from us in other ways of what we're reading um, lately. So enough about that. But um, this year we have read a lot of books and we've read a lot of great ones. And a lot of them that you're going to hear about today, we have talked about on previous episodes. So if we go through a book too quickly or you want more detail about it, just go back into our archives. We've probably had a full discussion on the book at some point. Um, I will note if I haven't talked about a book before, and I'll talk a little bit more detail about it, but otherwise these have all been covered um, and we're just going to kind of round them up to talk about our favorites. So Dawn, when you were putting this list together, because this was kind of a fun thing to do is to go through your list and pick stuff, but did you notice any themes about what ended up being your favorites this year? I think it's going to be interesting noticing what you, your theme was and what my theme was, because we're going to find out. I went straight for darkness. Like <laughs> I've got some mafia romances. I've got, of course, we know I love my megaverse. I love my aliens. Those are on there. Shifters. I did several of my 
standard like thriller mystery suspense you know those were always my first love but I realized a lot of them that I did this year had some kind of supernatural twist or some kind of super darkness going on I don't know what that says about my year (laughs) that just is where I was right which is funny because usually I, I mean you read dark books too but usually I'm the one who's reading like dark darkness and I didn't have a ton of that this year so I wonder you know what our moods why why they shifted but for me, um, what I noticed is I was apparently having a moment about time travel or time loops. So I don't know if this is just a general overall trend in publishing and I happen to read more of them or just I love those. So I seek them out. But five of my favorites that I'm going to talk about today <laughs> involve some sort of time travel time loop situation. Um, so it's definitely a trope that is working for me in a number of different genres. So it's not just time travel mm-hmm. and time loop in an individual genre. It crosses genres. But Um, Another one for me was nonfiction is always a favorite of mine. I read a lot of nonfiction, but a lot of them hit my best list this year. So nine of my favorites are nonfiction, which is a pretty high number. Um, But my sad thing is that romance didn't work as well for me this year as my genre that I write. I feel really bad about that, but my list is only going to include four adult romances and two YA romances. So that's. And for our romance lovers, I got you on that. I got us some romance. (laughs) There, some of them are dark romance. I mean, you've got love and death. What else do you want? <laughs> right. Um, and then, you know, I love a statistic. So Dawn's not going to have statistics for you. <laughs> no, there are no <laughs> statistics on Dawn's side. Um, but I didn't realize until I was making my notes for this episode, but audiobooks worked really, really well for me this year. So 57% of my favorites, 12 of 21, I listened to on audio. Um, so there must be something about audio that has made the reading experience better for me this year, because overall total of my reading, only 33% were audio. So the fact that 57% of my, my favorites list means this is really working for me. Um, it might also partially because be because I got a dog and I, when I'm walking, I can fully focus on listening to whatever the book is. Um, I also got more into fiction audio this year, whereas previously I used to only listen to nonfiction on audio. So that was a surprising finding. And it is good to know because now I can think, you know, okay, next year going forward, buy more audiobooks books or get them from the libraries where I've been getting most of them. But um, so that's my interesting things. Um, did you have any other interesting findings from yours, Dawn? Well, I'm still not fully sold on audiobooks. I do like them. Um, mm-hmm. I do have a dog, as all of y'all know. I do have Penny. Penny is 10 years old. Going for walks is not her favorite thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I don't have that, what we call the Leonard effect. We don't have the Leonard effect in my life. But what I did realize is audiobooks work really well for me, cleaning the kitchen, doing laundry. If I can do something, driving, if I can do Mm -hmm. something mindless, you know, while I'm listening. Um, I did discover that I am still not mature enough to listen to sex scenes on audiobooks. (laughs) So I... I edit sex scenes. I read some really steamy, steamy, steamy romance. But for some reason, hearing somebody else read them to me, I start giggling like I'm a 12-year-old in health class. I mean, (laughs) I'm just not that grown up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I actually don't listen to a lot of steamy romance on audio either. So I think that would be, because I listen out loud a lot and people are around (laughs) my house. So that would be a little (laughs) awkward. Um, And Dawn, you said you noticed something about DNFs that you want to change for next year? I do. Um, when we started this podcast, the very first thing we started with is was the magic of not finishing a book, that you are mm-hmm. allowed not to finish a book. So we've both really implemented that over the, 
I guess, year and a half that we've done this. One of the things I realized, much to Ronnie's dismay, is that I do not keep track of the books that I DNF. And (laughs) y'all, if you could see the face she's giving, she's so disappointed (laughs) in me right now. I just don't. And I just, if I'm reading on my Kindle and I'm like, huh, I'm not in the mood for this. I close that and I go to another one. And I realize that it's because I don't necessarily permanently DNF a book unless it really annoys me. It just sits on my Kindle or it sits over on my shelf and it's like, hey, I'm still here anytime you want to pick me back up. So one of the things that I want as a goal for next year is to actually keep track of why did I quit reading this? And if it's just a quick, I wasn't in the mood, well, then maybe I'll go back to it. Mm-hmm. But if it was, I wanted to set the heroine on fire and I hoped that they ran over the hero before we were done, <laughs> then maybe that's not the book for me. Right. Right. And I heavily DNF. I do keep track of uh, what I DNF, obviously, but I just looked. Of course she does. <laughs> I didn't do the statistic before this, but I just looked. Um I have read 67 books so far this year, um, but in my reading journal, I also track DNFs. So the number in my reading journal is I've attempted 103 books this year and I've read 67. So I DNF'd heavily. And the reason I can DNF heavily now, more so than in the past, is I'm heavily using my library. So there's no you know, problem with DNFing because I didn't spend money to get the book. So I don't feel as like obligated because a lot of times when I buy a book, I'm like, okay, I'm going to finish it because right. I bought it. Um, So now that I'm using the library, it's like, if I'm 20 pages in and I'm like, this isn't working for me, but move on, return it and I'm done. So it's given me a lot more freedom with DNFing, but yeah, so that's Dawn. That'll be your, your duty next year. That is <laughs> my goal. <laughs> And I really hope if anybody has taken anything away from this podcast, other than, of course, our fabulous recommendations of books that they should be reading, it is that libraries are amazing. Mm -hmm. We should fully support them. Ronnie is actually (laughs) wearing her support your local library shirt while we're recording this. But take advantage of that. I really think as adults, sometimes we kind of forget that the library is there. And one of the things that we've had so much fun with was getting me a library card so that I Mm -hmm. could check out all of the libraries around us and having access to all those ebooks and having access to all of those audiobooks, it opens up a whole world. So yeah, that's probably a big reason why I've read so many audiobooks this year too, is because I had an Audible subscription. I still do, but I get one book a month on Audible. So with the library, I can go and with, especially with Hoopla, they have tons of uh, audiobooks, so I can get them really easily and cheaply or free. Um, okay. So now we're going to transition into our favorites and I figured we would start with the biggie, um, this is romance. So Dawn, do you want me to go through mine or we're gonna alternate? So what do you think? Why don't, do? why don't you go through your, mine are so different than yours. Okay. <laughs> why don't you go through yours and then we'll, I'll of course pop in with the ones that I read and then I'll give my suggestions. Okay. All right. So first on my list is Book Lovers by Emily Henry. This was on audio that I listened to it. It's narrated by the famous Julia Whalen. She's one of the most famous audiobook narrators. She did a great job. Um, I gave this four and a half stars. The premise is basically that Nora is a literary agent in that kind of stereotypical control freak New York businesswoman way. And what I loved about this book is the author said she wanted to tell the story of the woman who usually is the one left behind in those small town Hallmark style romances. So she's like the ex-girlfriend or the one that's like kind of the evil one, uh, you know, the uptight one. 
she gets to be the heroine in this book. So I really enjoyed that angle. And Emily's Emily Henry's writing generally really works for me. Um, and then Luck of the Draw by Kate Claiborne. This is also a four and a half star book for me. So this one, the setup is that Zoe's won the lottery with her other two friends. And that's the premise for the series. So there are three books, three friends shared a lottery ticket. And what are they going to do with it? Um, so she's quit her job as an attorney, but she's kind of lost. She doesn't know what to do with this money because she was like a workaholic. And um, now she's kind of wondering what to do with her life. So she creates a guilt jar where instead of gratitude jar, which sounds like something I would do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have opinions on that, but go ahead. I don't want to interrupt your thing. So she starts writing slips of paper for each thing that she feels guilty about that she's done in her life. Um, So one is that she, as a lawyer, was on the side of a drug company in a case where a man died of a drug overdose. So his brother, Aiden O'Leary, gets put on her list. And when she goes to see Aiden to tell him she's sorry because she's going to make amends, He's like super non-receptive and not into it. He's grumpy. He's, you know, that kind of hero, uncommunicative, and he wants nothing to do with her. But then she faints in her his driveway, you know, as heroines as you want do. to do. <laughs> um, I hate it when I'm trying to make amends with someone and I just swoon in their driveway. Right. <laughs> um, and he steps in to help her because he's a paramedic. So he's trained to help. Um, and then when she eventually um, asks him if there's anything she can do to make amends, he says, marry me. And there are many reasons why he says that. And I'm not going to give them away because that's the point of the book. So this, I think, is book two in a three book series. You don't have to have read the other ones because I have not read the other ones. And I really enjoyed um, the writing. Kate Claiborne is really good at description and like beautiful metaphors. And if you're into that kind of thing, um, like a nerd like me, you know, it's it's cool. So appropriate on our last episode, Leonard is making noise and trying to eat my carpet as I speak. So if you hear me moving around, I apologize. All right. And next is one of my time travel kind of ones. Um, it's The Impossible Us by Sarah Lotz. I gave this 4.75 stars because yes, I do quarter stars. <laughs> okay. I just think we need to pause for just a minute <laughs> and recognize the fact, first of all, Ronnie pulled up her DNF stats within seconds. Like she didn't have those in the notes. We hadn't talked about pulling those up before. As I was talking, she immediately had those at her fingertips. <laughs> and second of all, she goes down to quarter stars on her rating. Y'all, I don't even have a rating system. I'm like, <laughs> it was good. You should read it. Or it was bad. You shouldn't read it. So I'm sorry. Proceed with your 4.7 star, five stars. I've right. also implemented a system now that I rank star ratings on characters, plot, um, the writing. And then I average that. And then when they're average, then it determines what the star rating is. So yeah. <laughs> wow that's all I can say about that it's just wow yeah I I know I need help okay so this is the impossible us by Sarah Lutz um this one took me a little while to get hooked I almost put it aside um but around 25 percent it completely captured me so it's just a different style of writing so give it a chance um but B and Nick find each other by accident via a misdirected email so they begin chatting and they seem to have this connection and so they decide to meet But when they go to the train station to meet up, they can't find each other. She tells them I'm at platform 22, but he's like, there is no platform 22. And soon they realize that there are discrepancies in the things they discuss in their emails. And they're going to try to figure out why. So I'm not going to give away why, because that's part of the fun of reading the book. But this one has a mild kind of sci-fi element um, that I really love. Not heavy sci-fi or anything, but there's, you know, there's something involved of why they can't find each other. So I loved that one. Um, and then to get steamier, um, this is a recommendation from Dawn, um, is praised by Sarah Kate. 
I gave this 4.25 stars. It's erotic romance. And the premise is Charlie slash Charlotte breaks up with her boyfriend and then has to go to his dad to get her half of the rental refund on her deposit. But when she goes to the dad's house, he mistakes her for one of his quote unquote secretaries um, that he hires for kinky reasons. And he tells her to kneel and she does. So this is, (laughs) which is an awesome scene. It is great. (laughs) This is age gap. And based on the title, you can probably figure it out, but has a praise kink to it. So Dawn, thank you for this recommendation. You obviously like this one too. I love this one. I'm a huge Sarah Kate fan. Loved, loved, loved this one. And in the scene where he tells her to kneel, that whole exchange there, it's just great. I have to throw in here suggestions for a duet by Sarah Kate, which is Gravity and Free Fall. And Free Fall was my favorite, but you have to read Gravity to understand it. It is a true duet. You can't just Mm -hmm. pick up the second one. But I just kind of recommend her across the board. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's... And I'm really picky about my erotic romance and so is Dawn. So it's a strong recommendation. Um, Then my next two are YA romance. So The Summer I Turned Pretty by Jenny Han. Um, I gave it four and a half stars. This I got from the Faded Mates podcast. Um, Jen and Sarah talked about books speaking to your id. And actually, I don't know if I got it from the podcast or if them talking about the id is what I got from the podcast, but Jen and Sarah talked about a book like speaks to that thing inside you that you just like, it clicks and we all have those certain tropes that just push those perfect buttons. Um, and so apparently awkward teen turns pretty. And now all the boys who ignored <laughs> her want her attention is like deeply seated in for myself. <laughs> so this book spoke to me and the TV series um, on Netflix is just fantastic. They did a really great job with it. So I went through all of the books in this series and then watched all the TV shows so the premise though is Belly, which is the name of the heroine. It's a silly name, but it, it worked out. I ended up agreeing with it. It's a nickname. Um, she's had a crush on Conrad since, you know, forever, um, but he's older and always has seen her as a little kid. However, the summer she turns 16, everything changes. And now she has more than one boy looking at um, her in that way. So cliffhanger warning, this is a series. You want to read the whole thing, a trilogy. Um, so be prepared for that. And then Dawn, you had one you wanted to put in here. Yeah, I was going to, this kind of connects because of it being that age group, but speaking to your id, okay, so secret relationships are one of (laughs) my favorites. I don't know why, but so I wanted to put in a shout out here for Arrival's Kiss by Maya Hughes. And this is the third book in her Fulton U Rivals series, which is about college age football players. And they have Fulton U, which there's a whole series about those kids um, which they shorten it, of course, to it's Fulton U, so it's FU. <laughs> and then the rival series is about the kids who go to St. Francis University, which is STFU. So, <laughs> and they're huge, huge football rivals. This is the third book in the rival series, and it can be read as a standalone. There's some spoilers from the other books. If you read it, you know what's going to happen in the other books. But I loved this one because it is Ezra's book. And we see Ezra in both series. And he's this dark, broody type that's like kind of standing off in the corner at the parties. And you don't really know what his thing is, except for when you see him on the field. And My Hughes writes amazing football scenes. If you're a football fan, like she really gets you into them being on the field. He's an absolute beast on the field. And everybody kind of hates him on the field because he turns into like a completely different person. 
So of course he falls for the sister of his um, arch rival from the other team. Nice. And Maya Hughes just has this way of ripping your heart out and like shredding it into little tiny pieces and then putting it all back together and being like, here, you liked that, right? So strongly recommend that that is a rival's kiss. All right. My next one is also YA romance. It's See You Yesterday by Rachel Lynn Solomon. This is another one that has a time travel, time loopy thing. Um, I gave this five stars. So it gets the full five stars. This was absolutely adorable. I cannot resist a time loop. And this one happens on the first day of college um, for Barrett Bloom and Miles. Barrett has a terrible first day. She like sets a frat on fire. She gets her high school rival as a roommate. Um, So it's just like the most awful, very bad day, you know? And then she wakes up the next morning and it's September 21st again. And then she meets Miles in her physics class. And they eventually figure out that they're both stuck in the same time loop. So everybody else is moving forward, um, but they're stuck. So they decide to try to help each other and find a way out. And of course, because it's a romance, um, they find their way to each other as well. So really love the book. It's like 500 pages or something. And it's one that I read through so fast. And I'm like, wow, this was a long book and I didn't even notice. So that's always a great sign. Um, but yeah, that is See You Yesterday by Rachel Lynn Solomon. I I have to say, I did a lot of things in college. <laughs> Setting a frat on fire was never one of them. <laughs> and I just missed that rite of passage, I guess. It just, right. it didn't happen. I never stepped inside a frat house. So I didn't even get that to that far. Dawn's making a face like, well. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go on to my, <laughs> my, my recommendations now. Um <laughs> so you can edit that part out. So no, I'm, minor- not, I'm not editing that out. <laughs> <laughs> so mine are so far from YA. Like we're, that's where I was like, I don't even know where to put these. So I went with, okay. So what was my best Omegaverse? Because we know I have an Omegaverse obsession and absolutely without a doubt, best Omegaverse I read all year was the Alpha Seduction by Mar- Marlo Roy. And this is the second book in her After End series, but it can absolutely be read as a standalone. The characters from the first book show up very, very briefly. The first book is great too. You, I mean, if you enjoy this, absolutely recommend that one. That one is called The Alpha Salvation. But this is about Della and Della lived through the horrors of the world falling apart. And so she's kind of found her safe place in this alpha community And she is not necessarily, she is not an Omega kind of herself. She's more the mother type to all of the other Omegas. And so she's older than some, most of them because she did live through the after end and she thinks her Omega tendencies are just done. It's, this is what it is. And she's going to be kind of this mother hen. And then Cal shows up and Cal is just hot. He is just, it is nice. It works out very well. <laughs> Marlo Roy is great with creating tension. And so you very much worry for these characters. So you're stressed, you're excited, you're laughing. And then there are some, I mean, super, super like, I'm going to fan myself here, hot sex scenes. And then there's this moment in this book. And I have several friends that are Megaverse fans that I was like, you're going to text me. I know exactly when you get to this certain moment, my phone is going to light up and I know exactly what it's going to say. And I have not been disappointed. 
Every one of them that I told, I have gotten the absolute reaction I was looking for on that. So if you read this, again, it's The Alpha's Seduction by Marlo Roy. If you read this, when you get to that moment, hit me up on social media. <laughs> you will absolutely know what I'm talking about. And then, so saying, like I said, I went totally dark. Um, one of my other buttons, other than the secret relationship, is is mafia romances, which almost always involve a forced marriage. And I don't know why I enjoy that, but we're not going to explore those right now. So I have to recommend the Sinful Empire trilogy by Eva Charles. And it is a true trilogy. You can't pick up the middle book and know what's going on. And the books in it are Greed, Lust, and Envy. And the trilogy is the story of Daniela, who is an heiress to these vineyards in Porto. And when her father dies, she's 18 and she finds out that he has promised her to Antonio. And Antonio is this amazingly hot, definitely shady guy who is taking over this valley. He's taking control of the vineyards. He's does a lot of things that you don't necessarily approve of, but you understand the reasoning for. And so when she finds out she's been like promised to him, she flees to America and there's, there's really deep angsty reasons why she flees to America. She flees to America. And what this, the trilogy is about is what happens when he calls her home to fulfill the marriage contract. He kind of gets her sort of, I mean, it's a mafia romance. These things happen. So first of all, all trigger warnings like everything it's so good and there are so many very deep emotional moments that just I cried more than once during it mm -hmm. so that is the sinful empire trilogy by Eva Charles and then staying with the mafia theme the other one that I loved this year was the sweetest oblivion by Daniel Laurie this is your typical boy meets girl, boy is contractually obligated to marry girl's sister. <laughs> like boy blows up a gas station because the dude in there is rude to girl. <laughs> so it is, if you are a fan of mafia romance, this is your absolute forced marriage, super hot sex scene, definitely morally gray hero, but you don't really mind that. And it, um, is not a, it, it's part of a series but it wraps up it doesn't end on a cliffhanger and then one more for super dark readers this i know i've recommended this whole series it's the obsidian brotherhood series by delaney foster the book that is most recent is the darkest hour and technically you can read it as a standalone you won't get the full impact if you haven't read the other two books in the series it starts with mischief night and then hollowed eve and then the darkest hour and then there's another book coming out in the new year every trigger warning you could ever imagine and then add a few more that's all i can say is <laughs> it's very it's a very very dark series it's very well done secret societies guys trying to take down the secret societies and this one is about a princess like a royal princess not like a disney princess <laughs> and again um 
he kind of kidnaps her. He has a really good reason for it. And then things get really super intense from there. So this is a good example. I think Dawn going through those three is if you were trying to figure out going through our episodes, who you match with and like what, whose reading taste you're going to align with based on those, you can tell Dawn likes really amplified, like high tension, very like almost non-realistic heroes, right? Like you really don't want to date the mafia guy. Um, So that's why you like superheroes too. Like it's like a man amplified masculinity amplified <laughs> so i on the other hand tend to find books that the dude is the guy you'd actually want to hang out with you know like he, he you could bring him home some most of the time to your mom and it's okay so if you have your own tendencies you can i'm telling you this because neither way is right or wrong it's just what do you like and so if you're looking for recommendations and you know that you like really amplified you like superheroes you like dark you like these guys who are like on the edge of more morality and I can read a dark romance. I do like, like Skyward and everything. I read those too, but that's where, you know, Dawn's recommendations have gone this year. So she needed amplified dudes yes. <laughs> this year. Well, and I, I feel like I need to say I've been married almost 25 years to a very nice man. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> has not once set a gas station on fire because right. somebody was rude to me. Right. Right. But he wouldn't appreciate if they were rude to you. <laughs> no, he would, he would deal with it, but he right. wouldn't, you know, yeah. tell them, I hope this place has a back door and you can find it fast enough and then drop his lighter. Right. And do that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think that's probably a general disclaimer on all the romances we read or that that is not necessarily who we'd actually marry in real life. (laughs) Yes. We both have really nice, great husbands. Um, All right. So next we're going to go to favorite mysteries and suspense. So I actually have some this year because usually this is Dawn's zone, but I had some really good ones this year. So the nothing man by Catherine Ryan Howard was a five star for me. Um, it was so well done. And what I loved is Catherine Ryan Howard tends to do crazy structures. Like she, it's very creative. This one was a book within a book. So a serial killer who is now dormant and in his sixties has a true crime book come out about him written by a woman who escaped him when she was 12. So you get the POV of the killer as he is reading the book. So you get, you also get the true crime book as chapters. Um, I loved this structure. I thought it was really clever and it kept the story propulsive and the suspense came from the victim hunting the perpetrator um, through her book and through research rather than the other way around, which is always the serial killers, the doing the hunting. So it turned that normal structure on its head, which I really enjoyed. And then I also like this portrayed the serial killer as kind of pathetic and not some brilliant mastermind because we do get a little um, over the top with our silence of the lambs. It's the brilliant, you know, genius serial killer. Right. When in general, a lot of serial killers our average intelligence, like the statistics show that it, they're not like these super geniuses. It gives them um, more complimentary stuff than we need to be giving to serial killers. But so this author has become an auto buy for me. And that was The Nothing Man by Catherine Ryan Howard. Well, and if we're going to mention Catherine Ryan Howard, we have to mention 56 Days, mm-hmm. which we both really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And we've mentioned on previous episodes, that is the story of two people who meet right before the lockdown. And they decide to stay together during the lockdown because they're both alone and they're going to move in together. And of course, one of them ends up dead. Hey, when that happens. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Right. So have to give a shout out for that one. Yeah. I really like that one too. So, and then you have one for perfect for winter. Yes. Perfect for winter. One of my best 
thriller suspense mystery reads this year was wide out by ariana anders and i think you mentioned this one previously I yeah can... i liked this one mm-hmm Okay. I read this over Thanksgiving and I was cold for the entire week and I am not a cold natured person. Like I'm not the person who always has to have a sweater or a blanket or whatever, but it takes place in Antarctica. And what I discovered about myself, I think you should always discover things about yourself while you're reading. (laughs) And what I discovered about myself is that I would just die. (laughs) Like a lot of, a lot of times in the thrillers, I'm like, okay, I could, make it out of that i could go i would go hide i'm not gonna go fight the guy i could go hide no this one i was like i'd be like nope i'm out (laughs) y'all y'all it's been a good run and they are at a research base in antarctica things go really really wrong and the heroine is a cook so she has no special antarctica skills she is literally there to make food for the researchers and then the hero is one of the researchers who he's lived there for a long time. He knows the lay of the land, all that kind of stuff. But when he looked at me and said, we have to get 250 miles across the ice to the next base while we're being chased by these people, I would be like, I've heard hypothermia is not a bad way to go. (laughs) So it's a really good book. It's really intense and it's going to make you cold. So have a blanket when you read it. Yeah. That's what I think about every apocalypse book. When I like read the apocalypse books, I'm like, I just be one of the first ones dead. I don't want to stay. The right. apocalypse is here. We're in dystopian society. I'm just, just take me out. Um, I will slow down the zombies for yeah. you. I yes. will sacrifice myself. I don't, yeah. I don't need to stay around. Um, all right. My next one is Into the Darkest Corner by Elizabeth Haynes. This was 4.75 stars. Um, this was a dual timeline story with before a crime happens and after, and I love a dual timeline. So that already was pushing my buttons. Um, but timeline number one was 2003 to 2004. And it shows Catherine as a young single woman who likes to go out every night with her friends, you know, just kind of carefree. And she meets Lee one night um, and a relationship starts. Timeline two takes place during 2007, 2008. And it is Kathy racked with OCD alone and scared um, the story took a while to build and at 450 pages, I was worried because reading through her OCD checking rituals, um, was repetitive and like exhausting. She keeps checking the doors, checking the locks, checking the windows. Um, but I realized as I read on, that was the point, like, that's what the author was trying to do. She was trying to make you feel exhausted and you, cause that's what the character's feeling. She doesn't want to do all that checking and neither do you want to read about it, but she has to. <laughs> um, and so the author is making you feel stuck with Kathy. But brick by brick, she was building the foundation for the future suspense that very, very much paid off. So it was worth that. Um, Check the trigger warnings on this one, like check all the trigger warnings because there is a lot of stuff in it. But um, I really love this book. It was very well written. It made me go look for other books written by this author because she was a new to me author. Um, This is Into the Darkest, Darkest Corner by Elizabeth Haynes. And I believe I got that as a recommendation from Catherine Ryan Howard on another podcast. Like she was interviewed. That sounds familiar. And she picked this as one of her favorites. And so that's why I picked it up. So, well, and I believe that one was on the no dawn list. I can't remember why, if, if that's the case, I have to look back at my notes to see why you wouldn't like it, but I think, okay, I think he, I don't know. We'll have to look. Well, and if you're new to the podcast, the no dawn list is that I am a big fat chicken and Ronnie has to screen things for me that will have me awake at 2 a.m. texting yeah, it, her. It is pretty scary. It is pretty, I mean, it's it's intense. So maybe okay. that's why. Okay. 
Um, so my recommendation on this is The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. And this book was everywhere, but it was it's worth being everywhere. And the description of this is that Jess is in Paris because she's run into some trouble and she's there to stay with her half-brother. And he is leaving her a voicemail, giving her directions on how to get into this building where he lives. And when she gets there very shortly after, he's gone. And she can't find him. She can't find any evidence really that anything happened to him. She has no idea why he's not there waiting for her. So the story is all about her working, trying to figure out what happened and working through this very interesting cast of characters that lives in this building. So it's very Agatha Christie-like. And so I loved that. It also had a twist in it that caught me off guard. Which is hard and, to do for you. Which is hard to do mm-hmm. that I appreciated. Now, we've books that shall not be named. <laughs> Ronnie gets all the bad text about it. I don't appreciate a twist that catches me off guard because I was like, okay, that person has never been on the page and mm-hmm. now they're the killer. Don't do that. You have to play fair. Mm-hmm. This played fair. Did just to add this random twist that I was like, oh, that's kind of awesome. So that's The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. And then the other one I wanted to recommend is a duet by Marie Johnston. It's Devastated and Devoted. And I've recommended Marie Johnston before because I love her Oil Baron series, which is a small town contemporary romance. You get drawn into this whole cast of characters. This one is very different and darker for her. And this is about Penny, who is being stalked by her ex-husband, And she knows this guy named Cannon through some of her friends. And he's kind of messy. Like he wears kind of unironed shirts and cargo shorts. And she kind of, he's okay, but she kind of thinks he's kind of goofy, actually. And it turns out he is not like that at all. That's all kind of an act. And he ends up being her bodyguard Mm -hmm. to protect her from her ex-husband. And I'm always a sucker for falling in love with the guy protecting you. <laughs> it's There is some violence and there are some trigger warnings you want to check. It isn't super, super dark. It's nothing compared to the other dark ones that are recommended. It is super, super steamy though. And book one does end on a huge cliffhanger, but both books are out. <laughs> book two picks up like the minute after that cliffhanger happens. So it's all good. You just pretend like it's one big book. (laughs) And then this one, my last recommendation in this category, I wasn't sure where to put it because Mm -hmm. I definitely wanted to recommend it, but it doesn't fit neatly into romance and it doesn't fit neatly into suspense. And this is The Beauty and the Assassin by Nadia Lee. And if you are familiar with Nadia Lee, she typically writes like laugh until you cannot breathe rom-coms. This is not that. (laughs) This is something completely different from her. And I think the title kind of throws it off a little bit because it sounds like it could be a cutesy, you know, she falls in love with a guy who likes to kill people. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's not, that's not what's happening. This is not a Disney story. This is Tolyon story and if you are familiar with any of Nadia Lee's series he is a bodyguard of another reoccurring character and we see him very often he's usually intimidating somebody or doing something really sketchy to get revenge or to protect this other character nowhere would you ever think he's going to be a romance hero 
And what we find out about Tolyon is one, that he has a child and 10 years ago, a man murdered the mother of his child. And he has made a promise to that child that he will avenge her murder. So that's where Angelica comes in. Angelica is being stalked by the man who murdered the mother of his child. So again, he kind of kidnaps her. <laughs> Seeing a theme in my reading here. He kind of kidnaps her and is using her as bait. Oh. And so it's not super dark. There is definite violence on the page. Definitely want to check out the trigger warnings, but it is really, really good. And that is The Beauty and the Assassin by Nadia Lee. All right. Next, we're going to move into nonfiction, which poor Dawn didn't have any nonfiction this year. <laughs> I, According to my reading journal, I read no nonfiction this year, which is not incredibly unusual for me. Usually I work in something about the craft of writing or organization or something. And no, I just dove into the darkness of fiction <laughs> and was like, I don't want anything to do with the real world. So this is all you. Yeah. And I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. I, I think I've covered most of these already, but the ones I didn't, I'll give a little more information. And mine are kind of all over the place, but a lot of these were on audio. Um, my first is a true crime. It's one of the original like true crime classics. It's The Stranger Beside Me by Anne Rule. So this was the one written about Ted Bundy. She was friends with Ted Bundy. She worked with him at the crisis hotline. So she has like this, you know, kind of connection to him that she can get insider information or interview him or whatever. So it's told in a way that's almost like a novel. It's very long, but you don't feel like it's long. So I was afraid I've had this one on my shelf forever. And I was afraid that it was going to be like dated because it was written, you know, back at the, I think the early ish eighties, um, and it didn't, it completely held up. So it was fascinating and interesting. And it made me want to go read more of her books because she writes, I mean, she's written a ton of true crime, um, but that's a stranger beside me. And then my next true crime one is Tell Me Everything by Erica Krauss. Um, this is part memoir and part what I would call literary true crime. So um, the quote is, Tell Me Everything is a mesmerizing story of landmark sexual assault investigation and a female private investigator who helped crack it open. So trigger warnings because this covered sexual assaults in the football program at a major university. Uh, but the book was really well done and it weaved in the author's own personal experience with assault. Um, so be know yourself. Like if that's something you can't read or listen to, just be aware, but it was very well done. Um, I did listen, listen to this one in audio and it worked in audio. Um, and to take a sharp left turn because those were, you know, not very uplifting. Um, if you just want something to make you feel good, or you need something while you're baking cookies during the holidays to listen to on audio, um, the Anthropocene reviewed by John Green, which is a weird word, but, um, if you're looking just like joyful little essays, that'll make you laugh about life. Some of them are poignant. Um, but it's just him reading out the essays and he has a podcast of the same name. So if you're familiar with the podcast, it's, it's similar to that, but, um, I really enjoyed this. It was a super fast listen. That was the Anthropocene. I'm, cause I'm going to make myself say the word again, reviewed by John Green. And then well, and I'm sitting here thinking no. when we were coming up with names for our podcast, we were very, we want it to be easy to find. We want <laughs> to be able to say it. We want it to be something people remember. I don't even know what an Anthropocene is. And it sounds like something they give you to get rid of an infection. 
I think he defines it, but I think it's like the general world or the people in the world or something. I'm going to get that wrong because it's been a while since I listened to it, but yeah, at least it's memorable. So I guess, and he's John Green. I mean, he can, right. I mean, podcast, he can whatever, whatever he wants. wants. <laughs> <laughs> um, my next one is another essay collection. It's called Bomb Shelter, Love, Time, and Other Explosives by Mar- Mary Laura Philpot. This was a five-star listen for me, great on audio. It's essays about life, death, and the existential fear with humor and hope. So that's the quote. That's not my words, but this one's kind of hard to describe. Um, at times it's really funny. At times it's poignant. There are some really wonderful observations about parenthood because she has a teenager, a teenage son that goes through a medical crisis and trigger warnings. I usually am freaked out by medical stuff, but this one was okay for me. Like it wasn't cancer. So if you have a cancer thing, it wasn't cancer. Um, but it it was just about a mother's love and her son and the essays about it. So if you want something that's just going to kind of give you that warm and fuzzy feeling, um, I don't know how much this would be if you're not a parent. I don't know if it would resonate as much. So this is more if you already in that stage of life that you have children. Um, but it was beautifully written. And I like all of her essay collections. So she's a really good writer. That's Bomb Shelter by Mary Laura Philpott. Um, Leonard says, hey, you guys, he's scratching everything. <laughs> he's making all kinds of noises beneath <laughs> my desk. Um, my next one also is going to be for a specific group. This is The 90s by Chuck Klosterman. So also on audio, it was really good. Only read this if you grew up in the 90s. <laughs> I don't know how much it would work for you if you weren't around in the 90s. Um, but if you did, you will find things to love in these essays, pop culture things, movie things. Like it's just like, oh yeah, I remember that. And it's very funny and well-written. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was one of those that you can kind of listen to when you're doing other things and not have to like a hundred percent catch every word. Um, Cause it's, you know, kind of light reading. So what's the nineties by Chuck Klosterman. And then to get one of my, those food things in here, cause you know, I love a food memoir. I talked about this one before in a previous episode, but it's Tastemakers, Seven Immigrant Women Who Revolutionized Food in America by Mayuk Sin. Um, I believe I listened to this one in audio, even though I had it, I think on Kindle, but this book followed the stories of seven women from different parts of the world who brought different international cuisines to America. So this was an interesting look because, you know, I love food. I love cookbooks. I love different kinds of um, international foods. So This is how Chinese food, Indian food, French food, Jamaican food, Iranian food, and Italian um, got here, like how those, you know, cuisines got here by specific people. And then there was also a section on Julia Child because of her contribution of exposing Americans to French cuisine. So the narration was really good. It was a really quick read. If you like food memoirs, go look for it. It's Tastemakers by Mayuk Sin. All right. My next one is cultish by amanda montel so this was also on audio and was great on audio i gave it 4.75 stars so this was a fascinating look on how the language of cults has infiltrated non-religious things um, that have taken on their own cult vibes like crossfit or multi-level marketing businesses like LuLaRoe. Um, i also liked how she took down some of the language that women use that sounds empowering um, but is actually pretty patronizing like the terms girl boss or boss bitch Um, so she kind of went into what that, you know, kind of means. And then the first part of this book also went into the traditional cults like Heaven's Gate and Scientology. Um, and then it moved into lighter things like the fitness studios and such. So I think what I liked most about this was that it showed me what language um, to look out for. So language that signals you're trying to be roped into something, because I think sometimes we think people who got involved in cultish things are, you know, 
dumb or gullible in some way. But when you really break down the language, you see how easily um, people are kind of wooed into something that doesn't sound like a cult at all. So that was Cultish by Amanda Montel. All right. My next one is a new one I haven't talked about previously. Um, I read it recently. It's Bittersweet by Susan Cain. So she's the author of Quiet, if you've seen that book around. But I was interested in this topic of bittersweetness because my family teases me that all of my favorite songs are slow and sad. So, um, and there's a Weezer song called that. All my favorite songs are slow and sad. So that's about me. Um, they're not wrong. So I wanted to understand why bittersweet appeals to me, why that feeling appeals to me. I don't want outright sad, um, but bittersweet, it's a specific feeling. So I really like that she went into kind of all the research on it. And um, it was very interesting. So I listened on audio. I score high on the bittersweet scale, which was not surprising, but it's nice to understand um, more about something that's an essential human emotion. And it's okay to, you know, relish things and feel a feeling that, um, like enjoying that feeling of listening to bittersweet music or reading a book that kind of makes you feel that way. So it's about being aware that we're impermanent, basically, is why we feel bittersweet. So it helps us appreciate life. Not everybody is going to um, resonate with this book, because if you're not a person who likes, you know, slow, sad songs, maybe it's not going to hit for you. But just like Dawn, I don't think you would read her book quiet because you're not an introvert. So it wouldn't make sense to read that. So know yourself. And if you're into that um, bittersweet thing, this is a great listen. And then my last one, speaking of just straight up sad, but uh, maybe this is why I liked this book so much because of my bittersweetness. So this is The Only Plane in the Sky by Garrett M. Graff. Do not do anything but audio for this. Are you listening to me, everybody? Please do not get the <laughs> She e-book. feels passionate about this. <laughs> this audiobook, I think it won awards for best audiobook of the year when it came out and all of this, but um, it is my favorite nonfiction of the year. I gave it five stars. It is one of the best audiobooks, if not the best I've ever listened to. So this is about 9-11. So it's a tough listen, you guys. It is a tough hang but it is so well done. And they use actual clips of news footage of speeches of air traffic control recordings that day. Um, it was chilling to listen to it, but, and it was a long listen, but it only actually covers the start of the day of nine 11 to finish. It doesn't talk about the aftermath. It doesn't talk about anything besides that very day. Um, jumping from one location to the next and pretty much in the real chronology of how things unfolded that day. Um, so I feel like everyone should listen to this, especially if you live through it, you're going to resonate with it. But I think this should be taught in schools. Like, I really think it should be required listening um, because you can, like my son, he's 15. You can know that 9-11 happened. You can know that planes hit a building and it was really tragic and blah, blah, blah. You can't know what it felt like that day unless you lived through it. Um, And this kind of brings you back to what that felt like, how we were so confused and how we thought it was an accident at first. And all of those things that now just kind of gets compressed into it was 9-11 and this is what happened. And we know why it happened. We didn't know that day. So all of this stuff. And then just the beauty of people's heroism and what people did for each other and came together as a country and all of that. Everybody should read it, listen to it. Um, And I really am, you know, a huge fan of how, how it was done. So the only play in the plane in the sky by Garrett and Graf. And you guys, Leonard, I know is a 
regular occurrence on the show. He's literally pulling books off of my shelf as I speak because I am not <laughs> paying attention to him. So maybe he's and, picking up. And she flat out has the water bottle aimed <laughs> at him as if she is about to just take him down and he does not care. But he's shaking because he's so wet because I was afraid him so many times. <laughs> like he keeps shaking like he's, you know, went into the swimming pool. But maybe he's pulling his favorite books of the year off the shelf to participate. Yes. I'll give him that's, I, the that's, He's not going to eat them. He's not going to eat them. That's oh, not his will, plan. He will 100% eat them. He took a bite out of the planner last week. So he's lucky he's still here. So y'all need to send positive energy <laughs> in, in, in Leonard's direction because... We know, you know, books are one thing, but when you start touching the planner, I'm worried mm-hmm. about the dog's safety at that point. Yes. Yes. All right. So moving on um, to the next category is favorite fantasy and sci-fi. So I actually have one here this year, um, but it's very specific. So it's in every generation by Ken Dare Blake. This is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe book. So if you're into Buffy, I recommend it. Um, it was so much fun. It, I listened to it on audio, which was great on audio. Um, it very much had the feel of like watching episodes of Buffy. So this story was about Frankie Willow's daughter who is already a witch, but gets called to be the slayer when an explosion happens at a slayer convention and all the other slayers are presumed dead. She has her own Scooby gang. And there are also characters um, from the show that show up. So like Willow and Oz and Xander and Spike are all in it. Um, I, I did love it on audio because you could tell the narrator had been a Buffy fan um, or studied the show because she tried to match her voice to the voice of the actors um, from the show, which I super loved. So I could picture Spike and Willow and all of that. So if you're into Buffy, um, it's in every generation by Kendara Blake. Well, and of course we know the fantasy is usually my genre and I have some recommendations, but there are books that aren't coming out until like mid year next year. Mm -hmm. So again, Be sure that you're part of our social media because I will still be posting on there of, hey, you've got to go read this. So my two that I really wanted to talk about, though, um, the first one is Fire in His Blood by Ruby Dixon. And Ruby Dixon is, of course, the author of Ice Planet Barbarians, which Ronnie still has not forgiven me for the whole parasite (laughs) thing. Whatever. It was a small part. But Fire and His Blood is about dragons. And if you listen to the podcast at all, you know that I am a dragon fan. And what I really loved about this is it's post-apocalyptic Dallas, which is Mm. where we live, and dragons. (laughs) Perfect. What else do you need to know? I did mention this in a previous episode, and I cannot remember which one. But one of the things that I thought was fascinating about this is that the dragon is all about consent. Like he's a dragon shifter. And so he's dragon and human and dragon and human. But there is a definite language barrier between him and this girl who ends up being basically sacrificed to him. But he's not willing to do anything because she's clearly afraid and I can't do anything with her. She's afraid. So I have to make her comfortable with me. And I just think that is awesome because he's a dragon and he gets it. Yeah. So I think that's great. So that's Fire in His Blood by Ruby Dixon. And then we need to talk about Taken by Fate by Shannon Mayer. And I know Shannon Mayer is really well known in the supernatural fantasy books. This was my first book by her. Absolutely loved it. I'm going through her backlist. And it is supernaturals are now part of our world. And so vampires, werewolves, all of those difference people are now the veil has fallen is how they refer to it 
And the humans have made a deal with them that to keep vampires from coming in and like wiping out a small city, they provide them with servants and food and they're, you know, fulfill those needs for them. And Taken by Fate is about a girl who lets herself get captured to be auctioned off to um, the others because her friend was captured and she has to go help them. Hmm. So I was reading this book. I was totally into it. And I will say this book is not super steamy. It's not like some some of the uh, paranormals really, you know, it's not that way, but it's really good. It's very intense. You really root for these characters. And I was reading these this book and I got to 95% and I texted Ronnie and I was like, I think this is going to have a cliffhanger. <laughs> I only have 5% left and there's no way they can wrap this up. And so if you follow me on social media and you saw me having a little bit of a rant about not realizing I was reading the first book in a trilogy, it was about Taken by Fate. I absolutely still recommend this book. It ends on a huge cliffhanger. The next book comes out in February. Have I already pre-ordered it? Absolutely. So really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the way it was written. Still would have read it if I had known I was getting into a trilogy. But I just had that deep sinking feeling of, oh no, they're not going to get out of this. Yeah. yeah. And But still really, really good. And that is Taken by Fate by Shannon Mayer. Yeah, I feel like I'm okay with cliffhangers if the books are already out because I think my memory is so, you know, spotty these days that I'm like, I know if it's a trilogy over three years, I'm going to forget. I'm going to have to reread in order to catch up. So that always worries me. But at least book two will be out soon. So if y'all want to read the first two, y'all will be set up. Um, my last category, I just called a catch-all category, but this is basically women's fiction. I didn't know where to fit it. Um, so this is One Italian Summer by Rebecca Searle. This also has a time travel element. I listened to this in audio and I recommend it highly in audio because it was narrated by Lauren Graham of Gilmore Girls and she did a fantastic job on it. It's just fun to listen to somebody who you recognize. Um, so it added a lot to the, like the mother-daughter story hearing her say it because, you know, Gilmore Girls. But the setup is that Katie has lost her mom and they had an extremely close relationship. They were supposed to go to Positano, Italy together, but her mom passed away before they could. So Katie's like, you know, drowning in grief and she isn't even sure she wants to be married anymore to her husband. Like, you know how grief can just kind of take you out of everything. So she's just in that place where she can't see straight. Um, but she decides to go to Italy alone. But soon after she arrives, she runs into a woman who turns out to be her mother at age 30 when she was on her own trip to Positano before she ever got married. Um, so this story was a beautiful one about mothers and daughters and figuring out who you are when you've lost someone who was part of your identity. So um, I did cry at the end, fair warning. Um, but this reminded me of early Taylor Jenkins Reid novels, which is a good thing for me because I really liked her early novels. But my favorite, favorite quote from the book was, when you're just a reflection, what happens when the image vanishes? So when she's just a reflection of her mother, what happens when she's gone? And some of the critique I've seen of this book of people who didn't love it as much is because um, they felt the daughter was too enmeshed with her mother or like it wasn't a healthy relationship. But I feel like they portray that in a way that some people it is like, especially if you're an only child or something like I'm extremely close to my mom, Don, you were an only child and extremely close to your mom. So I feel like I get that. I understand if you, you know, lose someone that close to you, it feels like you've lost a part of your own identity and your own self. So it is bittersweet. 
Um, but I thought it was really well done. And it's not like a downer book. It's a lighthearted way of looking at it, but it does tap into grief. Um, so if you have a trigger about that, so that is One Italian Summer by Rebecca Searle. And then my catch-all is we need to talk about most anticipated books because Ronnie has a book coming out in January, y'all. I do, I do. (laughs) It is Good Girl Fail. It is awesome. I got to read it first. You should all be jealous, but it is, I'll let you talk about it. Sure. (laughs) And I had, you know, I paid Dawn to edit it. So she has to say she likes it now. (laughs) No, I do not. Um, not. She pays me in case, so I don't have to say anything. Um, no, so this is my kind of step back into erotic romance, which I've been away from for a while. So good girl fail is a menage erotic romance. So those of you who have read me before in my old, old books, you know, that I do love, um, a story with two heroes. So this is about O'Neill who's been raised, um, really strictly. She lost her mom really young and she's got grandparents who have kind of like sheltered her completely and, She's gone to very strict, you know, all girls school and all of this. So now she wants to go to college and she's supposed to go to this all girls college and kind of stay along the same route. Um, But she's had a crush on her neighbor, best friend's older brother. So if you're into that trope, uh, best friend's older brother for a long time. And when she's a junior in high school, they're kind of having this conversation and he kind of challenges like, why do you have to follow this path? Like, cause she's like, I don't know if I even want to go here. And he's like, well, why? do you have to? And it's like the first time she really thinks about, no, why really do I have to? So the book is about her changing her own path and making her own course. And she goes to the school where Auden goes. Um, and Auden has a roommate named Lennox and they have a little bit of an alternative style relationship. So I'll just leave it at that. Um, but very steamy. Um, the heroine, for those of you who are worried about it, she is 19 when things start, you know, with the romance stuff, but um, I had a lot of fun writing this. This was inspired of all things by Gilmore Girls. So I kind of, <laughs> I know I had a moment when I was rewatching it years ago, like two years ago. And I was like, what if Rory just like went crazy? Like she just was like, I've always been the good girl. What if I just go like, do what I want? And so this is the story of that. So that's good girl fail. It comes out on January 17th. And I hope if you're into that kind of book, you will buy it. You can pre-order it now if you want. So of course I got to read this early. I'm not saying anything. Do y'all know how hard it is for somebody like me to get to read these awesome books and not be able to talk about them? I have chosen poorly in my profession on that, but we will be talking about it on the Rad Reading page because I have a definite opinion on which one of the guys I would fight you for. <laughs> and so we will be we will be setting up, are you team Auden or are you team Lennox? We will need to know who would you, who would you fight somebody for? Because one of them is mine and I'm not sharing. <laughs> but sharing is what it's all about, Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Anyway, your, your most anticipated book. Let's talk about that. All right. My most anticipated, um, two of them are book twos in the series. So I'm going to go through those very quickly, but one is that second book in the Buffy series by Kendara Blake. So it's one girl in all the world. Um, it comes out in January and the first one kind of ended a little cliffhangery. So I've been waiting for almost a year for this one. Um, and then same goes for Hellbent by Lee Bardugo. It's the second book in the Alex Stern series, which is the first book is Ninth House, mm-hmm. read Ninth House, I think last December um, or something like that. So it's been about a year. I'm probably gonna have to reread it to figure out, but I remember loving it. It's supernatural set in a college, like campus setting. Um, kind of dark, just really good. And so I'm looking forward to book two. 
Um, and then How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix, because Grady Hendrix just writes fun horror. You know, they're scary, they're fun, they're weird. Um, so he also has that one coming out. These are all in January, so I don't have long to wait. So I'm so excited. <laughs> but those are my most anticipated. And those are all, look at all the books Dawn doesn't need to read is what I'm hearing here. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you would actually like some of the fantasy ones. I mean, you're, you you watched Buffy, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Buffy I could do, but um, Grady Hendrix and I have a, uh, a yeah. relationship. Yeah. Grady Hendrix is horror. I mean, it's, it's yeah. not suspense. It is horror. So, all right, you guys, for the last time, at least for a while, it is time for what we do every episode, which is our rad reading recs of the week. And for this one, we're doing our very favorite book of the year, which was a hard spot to get. So Dawn, your favorite is actually my number two. So we were both in, right. you know, cahoots on this one, but go ahead. So Ronnie and I did have a conversation about that because I was like, okay, look, <laughs> this is going to be my favorite. We need to decide who gets to recommend it. So this is Wrong Place, Wrong Time by Jillian McAllister. Awesome book. Great book. It starts off, well, and it's a time loop. Yep. To go with Ronnie's theme. <laughs> It starts off with Jen and she is waiting up for her 18 year old son to get home. And I can kind of relate to this because this is the age my kids are. And he is supposed to be home by, I think like 2 a.m., but it's the night that the time changes. Mm -hmm. And so she's waiting, he's broke curfew, but in like two minutes, the time's gonna go back. And so technically he's not breaking curfew. and. I can identify with that. I understand <laughs> that thought process. So, but she's waiting. She's looking out the window. She sees him start to walk up and has that, okay, he's he's here. He's fine, whatever. And she notices there's somebody walking behind him. And then suddenly her son takes out a knife and just stabs this guy in, in their driveway. And everything kind of goes, as we like to say in Texas, it all goes to hell in a handbasket from there. Her son won't say why he did it. The police come, they take him away. They won't let him, her talk to him because they're like, hey, he's 18, you need to go home. And so she goes home, ends up falling asleep on her couch and she wakes up the next morning and she's in her bed and her son is home. And so she's talking to her son and it's like, how did they let you go? What happened? Why did you? And her son's like, mom, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. And you finally figure out it is the day before. And so the story proceeds backwards, which is really interesting because it's not a groundhog day. It's not the same day over and over. It skips backwards. And there's no, you don't think real logic to how it's skipping backwards. And it's how do you solve a crime that hasn't happened yet? And it also deeply had the theme of how far a mother will go to protect her child. Mm -hmm. So great mystery, great twist, absolutely best book I read all year. It was so well done, you guys. So I totally agree with this. And it really was fighting for the top spot with mine that I'm going to talk about. But it just as a writer and I know as an editor too, like the thought of having to write the story and it work backwards through time, the, the intricacy of that plotting wise that that takes is like just masterful, you know? So yes. I was so impressed with how it was done and it was done so well. And also great characterization because 
you know, Don loves plot. I love deep characters. And this one did both. So it's like, it's the book that if you need something to give to the reader in your life, and you're kind of looking for like a guaranteed hit, I would say Mm -hmm. most people are going to like this book. Like I told my mom, go pick up this one, even though me and my mom have different tastes um, with reading. So this is a good Christmas gift. um, If you, you know, are looking for one, but okay. My favorite book of the year also has time travel element. And of course it does, but this is this time tomorrow by Emma Straub. Um, I raced through this book in two days. First, I was listening to an audio, which it was great. And then I had to like finish faster. Like I couldn't, I, <laughs> I couldn't wait for the audio. So the last like 70 pages or so I finished in print. Um, but this was the story of Alice who on her 40th birthday is just kind of feeling a little lost. And she turns down a proposal from her boyfriend and, you know, like a marriage proposal. And she's incredibly sad about her sick father, Leonard. Great name, by the way. <laughs> Right. Um, She's probably not chasing him around with a squirt bottle. Um, but her dad was an author of a time travel book. So he's like this famous author, but he's very sick right now. Um, and dying in the hospital. And so she just kind of feels like I'm 40 and is this it? Like, this is what life is. So she does as we would do, right. She gets drunk on the night of her birthday. Um, and she ends up at her father's house and passes out like in his garden shed. So when she wakes up, She's in her bed at his house, but the room around her is her bedroom when she was 16. Like it's decorated with her posters and everything. And she realizes that she's now in her 16 year old body on her 16th birthday. So we have a time loop. She can go back to this one day. Okay. Um, But this book was just beautifully written and it was uplifting. And I loved like all of the characters. I love how she tried to figure out the time travel from like pop culture references. (laughs) Like, so she... Like, that's what I would do. I'd be like, I got to go watch Groundhog Day. I got to go watch this, like <laughs> sliding doors and figure out like, what, what did they say was how this works? Um, so she had all these 90s references from when she went back in time because when she was 16, it was the 90s. So I loved that. Um, but just some of the language and the thoughts about life that were embedded in this book, like quotes and stuff, it was just wonderfully written. Um, I feel like this would be a comforting thing to read if you're dealing with grief or you're having to let a parent go. Um, I know that could be triggering too, but I feel like this handled it in such a delicate, like gorgeous way. Um, And ultimately it's a love story about a bond between a single dad and his daughter. So I loved it so much that I bought a copy for my shelf because I had gotten it from the library and on audio. Um, So it's definitely a keeper. It's something that I never reread books, but this is one I could see myself potentially rereading. So that was This Time Tomorrow by Emma Strapp. All right, you guys, we made it. We made it. And that is a list that should, that should fill up your TBR for a while now. Thank you for listening for all this time. Um, and we will pop in for special episodes, but we will miss you guys. I'm um, seeing you every other week on, you know, chatting with you on the Facebook. So still come and visit us, but. Yes. Please still follow us on social media. We are at rad reading podcast on. Bye Leonard. <laughs> at rad reading podcast on instagram and on facebook leonard wanted outro for this yes <laughs> thanks for listening and we hope every read you pick up is rad reading bye you guys bye